Welcome to another episode of the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. Joining me today is someone who has seen and been a part of a ton of success on a level that uh, most of us will never ever see, certainly in athletics, but someone who I think has been often overlooked. Marissa Mosley, head coach of Boston University. It's her first year at the helm of the Terriers. It's where she actually played as a player and led them to their only NCAA tournament. But prior to this season, spent the past nine seasons on the staff at UConn as an assistant, won five national championships as an assistant there. I think it's fair to say uh, the head coach at UConn and two of his other assistants are quite famous and everyone seems to know them by name, but that other one often forgotten and Marissa was a huge part of the Huskies' success. So I'm looking forward to talking to her, being back at her alma mater. The Terriers are a team that won five conference games last year. They're already up to eight. They're sitting over 500. She's done a really nice job and I'm looking forward to talking to her about her first head coaching job about her experience being back home if you will she is a Massachusetts native as well and lots of questions for Marissa so we'll get on the phone here and be right back this is the jump run Welcome back to the Jump Around, and joining me, it is Boston University head coach, Marissa Mosley. Coach, I really do appreciate uh, you taking time, especially in the middle of the season, in between two really tough games for you, too. Um, thanks so much for, for joining me. I'm looking forward to chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Before we get into uh, BU, your alma mater, and get into your first year as a head coach, I want to... I want to go back into the time machine. Uh, you're, I want you. To, I want to go back. Put the jersey back on. Um, you're lifting that trophy. You you win the America East Championship. You go to the NCAA tournament as a player for the first time. If I would have told player Mar- Mar- Marissa Mosley as soon as that game was over, hey, you're gonna be the head coach here in about 15 years. What would you have said to me? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm gonna be on air at ESPN in 15 years. <laughs> okay, that was the goal. That was the goal initially at that time, yeah. What happened? Um, well, I went and worked at ESPN straight out of college. Um, I was a production assistant, and um, it was an incredible first job, and I met some awesome people, and, you know, we were all pretty much straight out of college or maybe one or two years out, and so it was just a really young and um, exciting environment. But what I learned quickly is that they're about making great television, not necessarily just about the sports. Mm. And um, and so I, I really missed kind of basketball and also the team interaction and all of that. And um, so I was there for almost a year and um, was able to transition into coaching uh, at the ripe old age of 23. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So tell us about that transition for people who don't know your story. Um, you, you decide, okay, we're going to get into coaching. So if you don't mind sharing uh, your journey a little bit with people who don't know. Yeah. So um, I actually touched base with one of my assistants here from BU and um, just happenstance, she knew someone at the University of Denver, and there was an opening. So within the time I contacted her, two weeks later, I was on an interview there and accepted <laughs> the job on the interview. So oh, it was it was wild. Yeah. And I had never been to Colorado before that point wow. in my life. Wow. That, a leap of faith then, too. 
it was a huge leap of faith. I'm from Massachusetts, so I had gone to college an hour and a half from home, and now I'm a four-hour flight away. <laughs> so right. I, I experienced what freshman experience with homesickness and yeah. adjusting and growing up after college. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, you just you did it a little bit later. So you you go out there, you go to Denver, you have a 20-win season, a great season. Uh, then you transition to Minnesota, and then obviously you end up at UConn. So, man, uh, talk from someone who didn't want to coach to ending up at uh, the most uh, the most popular and the most famous women's basketball program in the country. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine the, the the thought process for you looking back once you're at UConn, going, I wasn't even trying to do this for a career. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, it's so funny. People are always um, asking me, like, oh, that, was that your goal? Like, your ultimate goal to be at Connecticut? Not, it wasn't. I didn't, I didn't ever, um, I'm not one of those people who sets, um, like, specific goals, which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing as far as, like, giving people advice, but um, I'm just more of whatever I'm doing, I want to just be the best at that thing at that time. Mm. And so... Um, in the job at Denver, I was there for two years. I just really tried to learn as much as I can. And, um, you know, we didn't have a ton of people helping out. So you really did get, um, exposed to just about every part of the job, um, from travel to recruiting to, um, you know, (laughs) right down planning official visits, everything and, um, on court stuff. So it was really, that was, um, probably the best way to kind of just, um, kind of get introduced to the to the business and then at Minnesota um you jump like another level going to the Big Ten and really that's where I felt like I started to um understand how to dissect games watch a ton of game film um learn about how teams play and style and how you want to attack them and um by the time I got to Connecticut I was still green I was only four years in the business but um, a lot of, you know, what I talked to Coach Arima about on my interview was, you know, if you can recruit and sell people, we can, we can do the rest. We can help you learn the rest of it. Um, and they did. They, you know, he absolutely helped me become a, a better basketball coach, a, a better mind for the game, um, and, you know, honed my skills as a recruiter. Yeah. Well, you guys, uh, you did okay while you were at UConn. You guys won a, you won a couple games, uh, a couple a couple of championships. Uh, not bad. Not not too bad. But you... Yeah, we, we were all right. We were all right. <laughs> yeah. But then you get a chance to go back to your alma mater, which, you know, what an incredible uh, opportunity. And you spoke to it at your press conference talking about just, you just, you couldn't pass it up, and it was too good. And... When you take it over, though, and even some of your interviews, the day, you know, the days uh, afterwards, you kind of said it hit you quick because all of a sudden people are saying, "Hey, what do you want us to do? What's you know, what's what is it? It's it's all the decisions that you have to make as a head coach." Uh, I'm curious though. Once that died down, once you kind of settled, was there anything that surprised you about the job that maybe you didn't expect, for better or for worse? Um, I think. Not necessarily a surprise, but probably one of the toughest transitions is as an assistant, you have to be prepared for your scout. You have to be at practice kind of prepared for whether you work with the post of the guards, some individual stuff within practice, and then you're just in a supporting role. Um, maybe you do some station work and so you get to run that. But as the head coach, every single day, 
everyone's looking at you to say, what are we going to do today? And how are you going to prepare the team and the progression of what we need to implement and, you know, game planning and every single game having to have a game plan. So that wasn't necessarily a surprise per se, but the amount of, Mm. Uh, there's never like a break. You can never stop thinking about it. Um, And that probably was really tough. Hmm. Um, Also, I'd imagine too, when you come from bigger programs like you had, the um, the amount of staff you have is so much greater, and then you come in and you have you've got your assistants, you've got Adobo, and then you got a video guy, and it's like oh, there's a lot less people to do more work. Was that part of it too? Yeah, but I mean, I think what we did at Connecticut, um, like what we were just pretty self sufficient as assistants, so we did a lot. Like mm-hmm. we broke down all of our own video, yeah. and um, you know, did a lot. But we had, I mean, we had great assist like people that were supporting us our support staff was phenomenal Mm -hmm. and so yeah that is a huge thing like even if it was something like um you know putting together an activity for recruiting weekend where you know i'm in the office at the beginning and i'm sitting there in the nitty-gritty of it where you know we had all that taken care of and coach rama just you know he was there to do like the bigger stuff and so i think you know that's part of the deal though when you come to a mid-major you there's kind of all hands on deck and um and you have to also steer the ship and what you see you know the vision being mm-hmm. i am curious about your staff because uh, i thought it was really cool what you did in, in building it so often you see when someone takes that coaching job you're very easily able to go oh sure they hired them because they worked together here or they knew each other because of that but you hire two coaches from the d3 level one from the d2 level all from the New England-ish area. Uh, Coach Bennett was from New York. But um, I'm interested how you developed, how did you know your assistants? How did you build that staff? Because, again, I think the outside assumption of someone coming from UConn would be like, oh, they're, she's going to hire a bunch of names I know, whereas you brought in really successful people at lower levels uh, to, to help you out. Yeah, so um, Darren was actually the um, head coach at Skidmore for the last 14 years prior to this, but he uh, coached me in the Bay State games here in Massachusetts and is from Massachusetts originally. So I knew between his experience with high academic kids at the D3 level um, and coaches and relationships, and then also, to your point, um, I wanted people who were winners. So he had won on some championships within um delivery league and so I thought okay that would be a good kind of piece and then Kate Barnowski um played and coached at Tufts and played under um and coached with Carla Bruby who was a UConn alum and so I knew Carla and she actually recommended um Kate to me and um right away from her first interview we sat down and had dinner I just knew like she she had it and um and I trusted Carla because she had so much success there I knew sure. that Kate was a missable part of that um and then Elizabeth Blanger played um at UNH um but is from Massachusetts and even though she didn't have a ton of experience she was a really good player and a super competitive kid and she actually played for Coach Bennett's wife in high school oh, wow. so there was a connection there wow so okay it kind of kept it in the family. Yeah, that's cool. Well, you've got to have it, right? Especially with your first head coaching job. You have to be able to trust uh, the people uh, that are there every day. So that's uh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, with recruiting aspect, it's you, you, you are not recruiting the same people you're recruiting at UConn. I can say that with a, a, a definitive fact, I feel like. Um, how, has, how have you transitioned in that regard? Because obviously... It's a little different as far as 
who I, I I don't know if the how is any different, but you're you're recruiting different kids than you were. So how have you been able to um, figure that out? Yeah, it, I mean, it goes without saying that they are different kids. Um, the how is, is not different because recruiting is recruiting and trying to convince kids whatever level you are at to come and become part of something bigger than themselves is pretty much the same. But um, the biggest probably transition for me is the volume of kids that you have to recruit. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there are more kids that can play at this level than can play at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And so... From that volume, identifying who fits what you're looking for, not just talent-wise, personality, academically, at a school like the U. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And then it's a city school, so then do kids want that atmosphere? Do their parents want that atmosphere? Um, and so all of those things have come into play. I've been really fortunate, though, thus far, um, that we've got some really good kids interested um, and I think we've worked really hard to try to um, increase our talent pool just in this first class and then continue to build these next classes. And um, for me, it's um, it's about relationships, and I want to enjoy the people I'm around and their parents as well. Like, we're, you're kind of bringing all those people into your program. Sure. Uh, your most important recruits were the kids on your roster right now. Uh, you take over yep. uh, a program that has seen success briefly uh, since you've left, but really no sustained success for long periods of time. Uh, The team won five conference games last year. You guys have already run eight, so clearly you're doing something right. But I'm curious for you, as you do take over for the first time and you are making decisions for the first time, I promise I'm about to get into the happy stuff, but I I want to, to ask you about the sad stuff first or the tougher stuff. For you, what... Was and again, and this is so lazy to like throw this out, and I know you probably get this all the time, but people are like, "Well, you only lost, you know, ten games at UConn while you're there, or whatever the number is. I think it was fourteen games in nine seasons, wow. but it's <laughs> it's different, right? It's different." And so I'm just curious for you, what is the, what has been the toughest or most difficult or fill in whatever word you want to use time since you've taken over at BU? Um, yeah, I think it was probably in the non-conference we sustained several um, injuries at the beginning and I felt like at one point every single day I came in and somebody you know I I was getting a call or a text from my athletic trainer or a team doctor to the point where I told them don't I don't want to see your number (laughs) like I I I, my stomach I get sick to my stomach when I see you're calling me so just don't do it yeah Uh, which obviously is a joke. I could, that's irresponsible, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know what I mean. So it's um, it that that probably was the hardest part, and then trying to still like mix and match and win games. And I felt like we were getting some momentum, and then we would have somebody else go out, and so it was just really frustrating. Um, and then you know, going on losing streaks, um, haven't had that in quite a long time. Um, and, and then there was, like, a, a little bit of a fresh start with the conference season, right? And it's, like, a new season. And so um, that's kind of what we talked about. And um, we wanted to try to attack every game as if everybody was, you know, that we wanted to be 1-0 and at the end of that game. Yeah. And so um, that our kids really, I think, started to figure some things out. And unfortunately, I, I feel like we, uh, we've given away um, of our five losses, we've given away probably four of them. Um, 
you know, and we had opportunities to win. And so um, we're still learning. And I'm still learning. And so I think we're all kind of evolving. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you look at some of those losses. And to your point, you guys were right there against so many good teams. And, and really, other than the American game, every other game you've lost has been single digits. And I know you had a tough one against Holy Cross uh, this past weekend as well. And and the Patriot League's tough if people aren't aware. I mean, you have a Holy Cross team who's sitting in the middle of the conference with you guys who's really good, but you've got the Bucknells, you've got the Lehigh's, and American. Uh, the Patriot League's a, a pretty special mid-major league. So the happy times, though, you start conference season, you go 4-0 to start things off, including a win over Bucknell and Lehigh. So then it, was, that the, was that the high point, or do you not think of it in those terms? for our kids, um, especially with the Bucknell win, because they had never won there, um, and it was such a hard place to win in general. I think only they'd only lost like two times in four years at home, and so for our kids to experience that was awesome, and I felt like there was just a really renewed sense of confidence. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily look at it as like, oh, that was like the best time, and then I'm kind of trying to look at it more holistically, like, yeah. okay, we're executing in certain situations at the end of these games and what we're doing throughout the game is is hurting us more than the end of game situations. And, you know, people would always knock us at Connecticut that we weren't in enough close games. Um, but I, in this short tenure, have had to think about more of the game situations and what we're going to do. And, and uh, so it's already made me a better coach um, in, in the short whatever amount of months that, we've, that I've been doing it. That's great. That's that's a callback to, to Coach Oriyama. Like, hey, thanks a lot, man. You didn't prepare me for this at all. Thanks. No, but you know what? I have stolen some of the stuff that he's run at end of games this year. So well, there you go. He's still helping me. Yeah, great. What um, for play for players that you um, that have been leading your squad? Uh, I know Nia Irving had a good year last year as well, but. Um, a couple of your players, like Peyton uh, Hawick, is, uh, might be pronounced that incorrectly, but um, some of your players who have had smaller roles at their time at BU and this year have just taken huge leaps forward. Uh, what do you what do you attribute attribute that to? Um, you know, I think that we really try to instill um, a sense of confidence in them, and there's also the the whole kind of idea that who else is going to do it? Like, we don't have anyone else to do it. And so you're given that opportunity, you either run from it or you embrace it. And I've been really proud of, um, you know, our seniors in particular and Peyton and um, Lauren Spearman. Like, Lauren didn't hardly play her whole first three years, and and now she's started every single game. She plays almost 40 minutes a game and um, is either leading the conference or one of the top conference uh, people in made threes. And so, like, for me, that's, a testament to what we're trying to do um, and in recruiting. I want, you know, people to understand that it's not just about winning games, but also developing the players. Um, and, you know, there's a part of me that wishes I had more time with them because I feel like we could um, have made them into even better players, but I've been really proud of um, what they have accomplished thus far. And, um, you know, with five games left, I feel like we can really, do something special here this this first season that I'm not sure that they even believed in when we first got here. Yeah, um, eight and five in the conference, guys sitting in uh, third place by yourself. 
going forward, uh, and I'm not this year, this year excluded, you finish the season, you go forward. What is the biggest challenge facing you and your staff as you try to build that program into one that is atop the Patriot League each year? Um, I think culture is probably the biggest thing. Like trying to change a culture is really hard. And I, I inherited really good kids. But um, the things that I harp on are not things that they ever um, were ever brought to their attention or teaching them how to think like a champion. And so I think that's the biggest thing is um, continuing to build that and grow that. Um, And then the wins will come because you have the right culture and Mm -hmm. right foundation. Um, And I think if we we get the right pieces in here, which um, we're really working hard to do, um, that's how you can sustain that year in and year out um, and why, you know, kind of everyone always asks what's the secret sauce of Connecticut, but that's the thing. You get the right people in there um, and they understand and buy into what's already established, then it just takes care of itself. And then you can really just focus on the basketball and developing the people. Yeah. Can, can I, can I goad you into giving me some of those things that you harp on that they haven't been harped on before? Um, Anything from as small as how we appear at practice. Jerseys are tucked in. Um, you know, they make sure that they're on time. They Everybody looks the same unless you have something medical, um, medically necessary with a leg sleeve or an elbow pad. Nobody has anything on that's different than everybody else. Mm. Um, in, you know, your shoes might be different because, again, for comfort-wise or whatever. Yeah. But when we travel, we travel business casual. Um we don't travel in sweats um, in the airport um, because we want to make sure that they're presentable and they never know who they might run into um, as far as a potential boss or someone to network with in the future. And so I think they walk around with headphones and hoodies on and just looking sloppy, then they're much more unapproachable. Yeah. Uh, You know, we make sure that we're constantly harping on talking all the time in practice. You know, not just calling screens, but getting excited for other people's successes, running over, picking people up off the floor, running off the floor when you're subbed in games, running off the floor when you're subbed in practice. Like, everything that we do has a purpose um, and kind of that attention to detail that matters in the in the grand scheme of things. Is that something you've taken from your time at UConn? Is that something you've kind of decided as you've built your 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 own coaching career, hey, this is something I'm going to do when I'm the head coach. Where did that come from, those kind of things? No, yeah, I definitely learned that from Connecticut. Um, and, you know, I think when you watch um, UConn, you see those, those things come across. And a lot of times um, people may say, oh, the kids are robotic or, you know, they don't have any fun up there. But it couldn't be further from the truth. We had a ton of fun. But there was also a certain level of professionalism and that we had business to take care of. And when we were working, we were going to work. And when it was time to have fun, we were going to have more fun than anyone else. And um, for me, trying to build a culture and, and um, get that kind of point across to your kids, you have to start with the really mundane and then it builds up throughout to the really much bigger pieces. Yeah. Are you someone who can enjoy the – journey while you're in it or are you one of those people just kind of on to the next one on to the next one without fully kind of soaking in because you know it's it's hard to for example at UConn I hate to keep going back there but you know it's hard to win that much but you're obviously just constantly in that rotation of trying to win but it's like man that's really special what you did there right and 
what you're doing at Boston, and I'm not trying to blow smoke at you, but you're having an incredible first season as a head coach for a program that no one expected this for for their first year. So I'm wondering if you've, do you take any time to kind of sit back, look at it, even if it's just for five minutes and go, man, this is pretty cool. We're doing something special. Or are you just kind of, hey, next game, I'm thinking about American on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not. Uh, I think we were all supposed to do that at Connecticut um, because, like you said, there was such a um, a strive for excellence and um, and constantly trying to be the best we could possibly be. And I think that's also what attributes to the success. And so I know it's probably not always the healthiest way to be to not kind of you know sit back and smell the roses, yeah. but. Um, I guess that's just how I'm programmed and not just because of Connecticut, that's just how I am as a person. It's like pushing, pushing, pushing. And so, um, you know, I think there'll be plenty of time to kind of sit back and um, kind of look at what we were able to accomplish whenever the season's over. But for right now, I, you know, I'm not satisfied with where we are. Um, You know, I'm still, you know, uh, seething about the (laughs) game the other day. So it's like, I think that, is kind of how the most successful people continue to be successful. They, they never uh, are satisfied with, with where they are. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I would agree with you. I'd also agree it's not healthy, but, you know, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but at least I admit it's not healthy. <laughs> I do. I respect the heck out of you for being self-aware enough to know that. That's good. That's good to know. Yeah, that's uh, you're like uh, the player that keeps shooting threes, even though she's shooting 15%. It's so, like, yeah, coach, I know I'm not hitting them, but I'm still letting them fly. I appreciate that. Yeah, let it fly. <laughs> let it fly. Uh, at the end of the day, and I'll, I'll wrap this up, um, when you're done coaching, whenever that is, you know, 5, 10, yep. 20, 50 years, whatever, uh, what needs to happen during your coaching career for you to walk away completely satisfied? I could have walked away completely satisfied uh, after Connecticut. Mm. Like for me, it's um, like I'm satisfied at this point Um, in the sense that I feel like I've gotten to, I've been really blessed to be able to experience everything that you could experience as an assistant coach. Um, from winning championships, coaching the best, some of the best that have ever played the game, um, being around, you know, some of the best that ever coached and played and, and have, you know, can call them friends and Diana and Sue um, and Asia Jones, you know, that, that to me um, is kind of like satisfaction wrapped into one. As a head coach now, um, because I have taken this next step, I obviously would love to be able to bring the team to a championship in the conference and go into the NCAA tournament and have success there. But if tomorrow they told me I had to be done coaching, I would be satisfied because I think I've been able to experience more than anyone really ever normally could in a a lifetime. I've been incredibly, incredibly blessed. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're going to kick you out, but uh, that is certainly... uh... (laughs) A, a great answer by you uh, again Boston University they're sitting at 12 and 11 8 and 5 third place in a pretty tough Patriot League coach I really do appreciate the time that you gave me uh, in between games and congratulations on such a good first season five games left in the regular season and uh, best of luck to you and all of them alright thank you so much Blake appreciate it stay warm out there well thanks again to Boston University head coach Marissa Mosley in her first season 
2004 graduate herself and really has done a phenomenal job. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Jump Around, whether it's your first or you've listened to everyone, I am certainly grateful. Whether you listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, or wherever else you listen, listen on iTunes if you can leave a rating and a review. That is super helpful. You can find me on Twitter always, at Blake Dudonis. Until next time, this is The Jump Around.